within the last like hundred or so years, we have increased our lifespan, which so people think like, that's great. We're getting healthier, but it's, it's kind of been at the cost of our health span. Hey, I'm Harrison. When was the last time you had a deep, meaningful conversation with somebody? If it's been a while, don't worry. You're in the right place. This podcast is designed to open your mind to new perspectives and topics in the realms of health, personal growth, and well, life. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Life podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Let's Talk About Life podcast. My name is Harrison King. I am so happy that you're here and joining me today. You're putting your health and well-being and personal growth, uh, making it a priority in your life. And that's really important. So thanks so much for joining me. This is going to be a great episode. Lots of incredible things coming your way. And you probably noticed and you may have heard before that I got these glasses on. These little got a little bit of a yellow tint. They look pretty nice. Hey. Those are my natural blocks, blue light blocking glasses from Natural Academy. Now, uh, it's pretty important because we actually have <laughs> the my friends from Natural Academy on the show today. And uh, these are their blue light blocking glasses. They block out 88 to 100% of the blue harmful blue light um, that we experience, whether it be through artificial things like screens, or, or, you know, artificial lights or whatever, you definitely want to get them. They're going to reduce your headaches. You're going to get better sleep. You're just going to feel better. It's going to improve so many things. Kind of uh, help with your circadian rhythm. I mean, the the benefits are almost endless. I mean, there's so many. So you're going to want to check them out. You can head on over to naturoacademy.com, N-A-T-U-R-O, academy.com, and you can get a pair of these. They are the best blue blocking glasses canada they're like top of the line if you're not in canada it doesn't matter because they are incredible so you're just it, it's worth it that's all i'm trying to say and you can use the code harrison 10 when you check out and you're gonna get 10 percent off so make sure you do that all right sounds good now i sat down with my friends dr marissa canning dr andrew tiladura and they're naturopathic doctors and the creators, like I said, of Natural Academy. And Natural Academy is a wellness education platform for those looking to optimize their health naturally, which is very important as we get into on this episode. Um, and their mission is to share their knowledge of how to achieve health by reconnecting to nature. They provide a truly holistic approach to health, optimizing the mind and spirit and body by combining ancestral wisdom with modern science. Marissa and Andrew are also the creators of Wait For It Natural Blocks. That's right. I was just talking about them. And they're Canada's best quality blue light blocking glasses. So this is going to be an awesome episode. We're talking about so many different things. And I'm so glad that you're here to join me. Let's dive into my chat with Marissa and Andrew. Thanks for being on here. Super excited to have you guys. You're very, uh, very knowledgeable in this field. That's for sure. And uh, I kind of want to talk about staying connected to nature just in our modern society you guys are obviously in and around toronto big city but you're big you have a big focus on staying connected to nature because we are you know natural uh, beings so one of my first things i wanted to kind of address is how you think or you know that our health has improved or gotten worse since we've become like i'm talking a long time ago when we were living on the plains and all that stuff right and now we're in big cities What's the different? Has, has there been a, a effect on our health? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's a good question. Um, so if you go like way back, so uh, in terms of human history, there's obviously some debate because no one was alive at that time. But humans came on the scene around like two to three hundred thousand years ago, 
And primarily during that time, it was all like hunter-gatherer civilizations until up a, until about 10,000 years ago. That's uh, you know the estimate of when civilizations started. So when we were in that hunter-gatherer period, um, from the evidence we have, humans were very robust. Like there was very little evidence of any chronic disease. If you look at the um, skull structures and different archaeological evidence, it seems like these people were like very healthy. But then once we got into that um, like civilization period and the advent of agriculture, we started seeing a lot of differences, like for example, tooth decay and crooked teeth and smaller skull sizes. So it seems like that's where our health kind of declined. Um, the average lifespan went down. And then within the last like 100 or so years, we have increased our lifespan, which so people think like, that's great, we're getting healthier, but it's, it's kind of been at the cost of our health span. So people, they're living longer, but they're not as healthy, right? So how many people do you know that are like, you know, 70 or 80 and they're still alive, which is great, but they have such a terrible quality of life. They're on like 10, 12 different medications and they have to go in for their dialysis every week. So, you know, it's an interesting time that our lifespan has increased, but health span has definitely gone down. Yeah. Like our, um, what is it? Metabolic age, that, that kind of thing, right? Where it's, it's, what do you, what do you physically, how old are you physically? And it's definitely gone down. What do you think was, obviously there's a lot of stuff, but any, any big things that come to mind of what was one of the main things that started to cause that because, you know, where I said we're in cities and stuff, but there's, there's, um, you know, we have a lot of electricity. We have things that are not natural, like just in the, you know, you go into a forest, we don't have, you know, running water. So is there anything in specific that, that comes to mind that you think has been a big factor to that? Yes. There's, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there's <laughs> well, I'm so, sure there's a lot, but let's, yeah, let's dive so into it because I think it's a super yeah. interesting. Um, maybe you know, you would know more about like what started it all. Yeah, I think, uh, so when we got into these civilizations, they were mainly based around agriculture and growing grains. So um, there's a bit of debate as to why that happened. One of the theories is actually because uh, it was a way to make alcohol. You could grow all these grains and then that was such a high commodity um, uh, yeah, resource, I guess. But anyways, once we started eating those types of foods, um, we did notice a drastic change. So that was one thing. We're no longer out uh, you know, hunting as much or eating wild um, uh, plants and animals. And then, uh, I guess, so more recently though, you mentioned electricity, and I think that's actually one of those things that is really underlooked. So, uh, it's obviously great to focus on nutrition and exercise and those sorts of things. And our diet has become worse in the last hundred or so years. And we've, we're definitely more sedentary, but a big thing that people miss is there's been a massive change in our light environment. So, prior to Edison inventing the light bulb in like the late 1800s, there was no such thing as artificial light, right? It was, you know, you wake up with the sunrise, uh, you go down with the sunset and we had fire, which is, you know, very natural. We've evolved with that for such a long time, but we've totally changed our light environment. There's more electromagnetic pollution and it's kind of just like a snowball of all these different things that have uh, you know, contributed to it. And can you talk a little bit about, I know you guys are big on um, obviously blue light, it's the glasses and, and artificial light and stuff like that and using candlelight and like natural things at nighttime. You want to get, I mean, we've we've talked about it. I've heard a lot about it, but I want you to share with the people that are listening. Just, I mean, you guys know so much about it. So why don't you dive into that a little bit? Because, um, yeah, this one thing that we can't control, you know, you can turn off the light switch if you want. So what are what are some things, you know, we can we can do to help with that kind of stuff? 
Yeah, that ties into a lot uh, to our circadian rhythms, which is just the natural wake and sleep cycles uh, that humans go through. And, you know, before the invention of the light bulb, we had these natural wake windows with the sun and, and sleep windows when the sun would go down. Now, like you said, we have such control over those light switches that when the sun goes down and it's an inconvenient time for it to go down in our minds, you know, you just switch on the light bulb and you make uh, the, the it's sunlight, you know, inside of your own environment. And that's when there, there's an issue because there's this huge disconnect from the synchronicities or um, yeah, the synchronicities in nature, right? So once the sun goes down and we pop on the lights and we decide to continue it being daytime in our in our environment, then the natural processes that have to happen at night for our body to be healthy and optimal don't get to happen because you know during the sun uh, when the sun is up our our yang hormone cortisol yang yin and yang in traditional chinese medicine yang is daytime energy yin is nighttime and just that being that stillness so when uh, during the day that cortisol is released um, and and hopefully in appropriate levels uh, you know, more stress causes more cortisol release, but uh, in a in a perfect world, you know, you'd have the appropriate amount of cortisol release during the day. And then once the sun sets and it starts to become nighttime, it gives our, our body the cues that it's yin time now. It's time for melatonin to be released. But as long as you have all these bright lights on, you know, screens, uh, TV, phone, computer, uh, ceiling lamps and all and all that, it, it, there's no, it's not the appropriate uh, setting for melatonin to be released. And melatonin is so important for us to get a deep sleep, stay asleep. Um, and, and while we're sleeping, that's where our detoxification pathways are, are most active. And that's where we kind of clear out the junk from the day. And if you don't give your body a chance to do that, then it just becomes this accumulative um, effect that, you know, the next time you're, the next day you're dragging because you didn't have that, that good sleep. And then you're reaching for more sugars to get you going. And then that night, you're not able to detox again. And it's just like, it just builds on, on, on ourselves. So I find that, you know, people as they approach twenties, thirties, forties, it start, you really start to feel the different, the effects of this. Maybe in your, in your teens, you could get away with it. Maybe in your twenties, you can get away with, you know, the, that late night living and, and not living in accordance to nature. But as you do get older, you're like, wow, I feel it now, you know? And it's a hard thing to, to try to be, well, be aware of It's one thing to be aware of it, but to, you know, People are working. They got things to do. Oh, I want to do this. Or I come home from work and I want to keep doing stuff. I don't want to just sit in the dark, you know, and <laughs> play cards and buy a candle. Um, what are you? <laughs> I'm sure you're met with some some kind of like resistance for that because people are. Well, first of all, all we know, right? Like you're so used to it. And um, any? Do you have any tips, like ways to kind of get around? Or is it just like, hey, you just got to decide and do it? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one thing that so like we're a little more hardcore, obviously, and I think you you really need to value it and see the value before you make these regular habits. Um, so like ideally, as soon as the sun goes down, you don't want to be exposed to any artificial light at night. But as you said, a lot of people are too busy. That's just not realistic. So uh, what we like to say to a lot of our patients is at least for that one hour before bed, get off the screens, you know, don't watch TV, don't be scrolling on Instagram and maintain that good light environment. So it could be candles, it could be like a Himalayan salt lamp or a, like a red LED bulb, but just, just try one hour and see what happens. And a lot of people, they do find that's manageable. You know, maybe they like reading. A lot of people say like, yeah, you know what? I, I love reading, but I, I just don't give myself the time to do it. And now they, you know, we're almost prescribing it to them. They're like, okay, cool, nice. This is a good, they're excited to do it, right? And then they start to realize 
like, oh, I'm, I'm getting such better sleep quality. And then you kind of work back from there. And I think it's really important for people to see that benefit first. And then, then you kind of get hooked, right? Um, I know for me personally, like I didn't have the best sleep quality and, um, we'll talk a little bit more about blue blockers, but once I started wearing those and, uh, just being more conscious of my light environment, I slept so much better. I have so much energy in the morning and I don't want to go back to the old way because you know, why would I, I just feel much better. So, Mm -hmm. well, I mean, once you start to see the results in your own life and how it's affecting you, I guess that's one of the best things, but easing into it, I guess is the way to, way to do it. If if people aren't, 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 you know, doing that regular, I mean, even me, I mean, I'm not, it's hard to avoid because it's there. You know, and the lights are on, the sun goes down, but the lights stay on and you forget about it Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, It's interesting. You know what I find really peculiar just in, in our society and stuff in general is that sleep is, is not, it's like people, you know, Sean Stevenson, you know, Sean Stevenson is the sleep, the sleep guy. He always talks about being tired and wired. And that's basically what we've like, we've said, we've normalized that. And it's not, why is it we have all this access to fixing a lot of problems and happiness and just all kinds of things. And, and it just comes from our, our, our sleep. And it's weird that I find it strange that our, we see, we don't have the answers, but that our society has made that normal to, to not, you know, you know, like, oh, I stayed up. I, I only got three hours of sleep last night, but I'm here at work and I'm, I'm like, why are we praising people for that? Yeah, it's you cool. Know? Yeah, some people are like, good for you. Good for you for working through that. You, yeah, it's, like, it's so strange. And I think yeah. it's it's just because it hasn't been, you know, it's not talked about enough. So I know I've really dived into sleep, but we got you on here because you guys really know about the the real things. What are some things that people just don't know about, like the, the power of sleep? I mean, there's so many things, but people are just like, well, you just do it and whatever. But like it is, if, if you can master your sleep, I mean, your life is going, everything's getting better. So let's talk about sleep because I love it. I, I love talking about sleep. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Let's talk about uh, preparing for sleep first, because that, that's, you know, often people just focus, okay, now it's time to go to sleep and worry or wonder why, why can't I get to sleep? Why can't I stay asleep? And it really does have to do with the lead up time. Uh, So like I mentioned that melatonin release, it needs to be, you know, you need to have that perfect environment, which is darkness. Um, And and that's first line, darkness is first line. So not having all the lights on in your house, you know, if you can, if you can't do complete darkness and, and living by candlelight, fine, do side lamps instead of all the overhead lamps, you know, don't have all the screens on. If you're, if you're gonna be on a screen, use a screen filter. On computers, there's a screen filter called Flux, F.L.U.X. It's free, download it, and it, and it <laughs> creates this, you know, this, this amber hue on the screen. On phones, a lot of them have blue light, light uh, filtering apps. They don't do much, but they at least do something. Um, and then yeah, where- something. Yeah. And then, and then the, that's where blue blockers come in when all this isn't possible or this is possible, but then you can't have that complete darkness. The blue blockers are so helpful to block out the rest of that blue light. And again, that blue light is is symbolizing to the body that it's daytime. So that's why you really want to reduce and and cut that blue light out so that your body can release melatonin. And this comes back to all the way, you know, in the morning and the sunrise, that's where our body uh, produces melatonin. So in the morning, when you get up, you really should be getting outside first thing in the in the morning to get, catch that sunrise so that your body can produce melatonin in the evening. That's where you want to live in darkness, have your blue blockers on so that your body can release melatonin. And then you can get into that that deep, deep sleep and, and stay asleep. 
I was just going to say, um, so a lot of people, they are still able to fall asleep. Um, you, you know, they, they might watch TV before bed and, you know, be on their screens, whatever it is, and they're still able to sleep. But it's more about the quality that we want to optimize. And that's where melatonin comes in, because like I said, you're still able to fall asleep. But what melatonin does when you're sleeping is it's uh, your main like repair and regenerate hormone. So it's actually responsible for two really important processes in the body. One is called apoptosis, which is like programmed cell death. So your cells are constantly turning over. You you know you have new ones being created and you have old ones turning over. And you you want to be killing those damaged cells or else they turn into cancerous cells. So that's a massive uh, benefit of melatonin. And that's also why you see it used in very high doses in cancer treatment, for example. But then the second process is called um, autophagy, which translates to self-eating. So it's a similar process, except instead of totally killing a cell, whenever there's like a damaged cell or damaged cell part, it recycles that and reuses those parts to um, create more energy or you know to create new cells. So these are like two amazing processes in the body. And it's like so remarkable to me that uh, you know our bodies have this, this capacity to do these things. But if you're not getting melatonin, then that doesn't happen. And then that's where you see that chronic disease over time. So it really is about that that quality of sleep and getting into that restful sleep and then just let your body um, do what it does best. Yeah, well, your body's designed to fix itself. Like, that's why we we do that, right? It's all about regeneration and, and growth. And uh, and if we have, you know, we have the answers for a lot of things, like even that you're saying preventing cancer, obviously other things can cause it, whatever, but preventing things like that by just just getting a good a good sleep and i think if that was if that's pushed more people could people don't want cancer <laughs> you know people don't want to be chronically sick people don't want and if it's like well if you just work on improving your sleep you know it's an easy thing you it's you're not doing anything while well, you're doing stuff but you're just you know you're uh you're unconscious you're not really it's not like you have to make sure you do this every day and blah 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 right um and and you're asleep but the the, the big focus um is that people can do to improve that is is that bedtime routine? How about your um, call it your sleep sanctuary, but like your room and even things having having things in your room? And now I know this is a kind of a weird topic because there's a lot of people that are living in just like maybe that's their space. They have a bedroom and that's it. So obviously, ideally, you want to leave that room for just sleeping, so your body knows that when you're in the room, right, it's time to go to bed, time to go to sleep. Um, but what are what are some things you can do to kind of incorporate? just healthy things into the bedroom to to prepare for sleep make it a good place for that even if you have say your work set up or whatever in the bedroom you know what i mean yeah yeah you 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 touched on a good point that a lot of people especially this past year you know during the pandemic are working from home and some people live in a one bedroom apartment with two or three people and and one person has to work in the bedroom so what do you do um energy does linger so and make sure that you're not working in the bed, you know, in in like sitting on the bed working if you can, uh, really reserving ideally the bedroom for just just sleep and sex. Those are the two things that you you do in the in the bedroom. But other than that, you know, trying not to work. And uh, if you do need to work in the bedroom uh, and do work during the day, then then really do create a separate space. You're not sitting on the bed working. You're you have a desk. It's in the corner, and you're and you're setting that space. T- intention goes a long way too. that you you set the intention like this is where I work and this is where I sleep and holding that intention for everything that you do during the day and then moving that into the nighttime. So um, 
Other things that you can do, we touched on at the beginning, is electromagnetic fields. These play a huge role. You know, if you look at a microwave, you put in something cold uh, into the micro microwave, and the way it heats it up is it like vibrates the cells at such a level that it creates heat, right? And then you take it right. out, and it's nice warm food. So think about, you know, that's that's a microwave, but it ha- it runs on the same electromagnetic field as Wi-Fi routers, Bluetooth, you know, the the uh, plugs that are in your wall. These things, if you're sleeping beside near a Wi-Fi router, near your phone, near um, a Bluetooth device, even some people have like a Apple Watch or, or something on their on their on their body. These are very stimulating to the body. So your body can't actually. This is the time for your body to really be winding down and those cells to be really resting. And instead, they're being stimulated and, and vibrated. You know, and, and it's extreme. How how's your body supposed to get into that deep sleep when you're in this like state of arousal? Uh, same with plugs. You know, we we turn off our breaker at night so that our entire room has no electricity running through it. So if that's possible for you, that's a good solution. If it's not, pull your bed away at least two feet from from any plugs that are in your wall, especially if they're close to your head. And, and for the Wi-Fi, what we do is um, you can unplug it manually, but we just have it plugged into a uh, timer that automatically shuts off at night so you don't have to think about it because mm-hmm. you don't need the internet on at night so you might as well do that and create that sleep sanctuary like you talked about and a few other things is like we already touched on darkness but make sure your room is as dark as possible you don't want like alarm clocks or things that are you know flashing bright lights because even small amounts there's actually one study that showed when they sh- uh, shined I think it was a dime size light on the back of someone's knee when they were sleeping, that was enough to, to um, interfere with sleep quality. And that's because you have light receptors all over your skin. So uh, you want to keep that as dark as possible and then also uh, be in a cool environment. So a lot of people just know that intuitively. You can't sleep when you're hot. Like you just, you know, there's so much heat and you're just uncomfortable. But um, having something that's, I believe, between 17 and 21 degrees is optimal. So it's a little bit cooler than room temperature, but that that can help people as well. And how about screens in the, just in your bed? So I'm, I'm thinking like people have TVs in the bedroom. Just, you know, it's a place to relax generally, you're watching a movie, whatever. Um, I mean, I can anticipate the answer, but what do you, <laughs> what, do you what do you tell yeah. people like that that are that are doing that kind of stuff? It's a big no, no. It's a big no, no. I mean, yeah, the, the light being exposed. If you, if, if, if you need to watch TV to, to get to, to sleep, um, like that light is so stimulating. It's not, it's a vicious cycle. You know, you're watching it to get to sleep, but you're getting stimulated, even though you're getting, it's like that wired, but tired thing, your body's tired, but, but inherently it's, it's being told not to release the melatonin. Eventually you just pass out, but passing out is not sleep. You know, you're not going through the sleep phases. Your body just gets so tired that you've sleep quote unquote but you're not sleeping uh, and then the electrical device too in the room is, is emitting an electromagnetic field that impacts sleep um, plus what we said about you know the energetic uh, the energy lingering in the room uh, of you being alert and awake and watching tv especially the news especially the news right. which a lot of people like to watch first thing in the morning you can't do that in your bed in your bed you just you you can't <laughs> it's toxic like and once you understand that and you once you prioritize that or value that you know, you'll be able to be like, okay, this should not be in the bedroom. This is a sanctuary. Like we love that word. It is a sleep sanctuary. It, you need to treat it as like this precious area. And then, and then once you respect it, you know, it'll respect you back and you'll be able to have that quality sleep. And I think a lot of people too have, have a very busy mind at night. 
um, from from the day and and this plays into you know lights and electromagnetic fields too it's creating this yang as i mentioned in the body this stimulation this uh, daytime energy that's another thing that's kind of normalized to have such a busy mind or to have this, you know, anxiety and, and ongoing things. And and you, there's so many things that we can do. You know, naturopathic doctors are so great at at working with you to try and minimize that and try and create this healthy mind that that will help you to get to sleep as opposed to hindering. So, yeah. Yeah. And then how about, and this is a personal question also, would you, is there a recommended way to, because obviously people... The best way is just to wake up when, you know, you get on track and you're just waking up, but, or with the sun or whatever, but people need to wake up at certain points, you know, using alarms and stuff. Do you have something that you recommend or is there, because people are going to say, well, I can't have my phone on, but I need to use it to wake up. You know, I use my alarm to get up. And if you're doing that, I mean, I've, I, I notice it that if you, I don't, I don't use it anymore, but you get up and, uh, and then you're turning that off, but then now you're on your phone. And that's the first thing, first thing you're doing. What are, are there alarm clocks that you would suggest? What's the ideal way, ideal way. And then ways that less crazy people would not, would do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the ideal way, I, I honestly haven't done much research into alarm clocks, but you would want something that does not have much light coming from it. I believe there's some that don't even actually display the time, but they can just act as an alarm. But also, I know a lot of people just, it's convenient to use your phone. So just put it on airplane mode when you're at night. So that means there's no signal coming in or out, and you can still use the clock function. And we usually have those uh, screen filters on our phone. So even when you do get up and press the, you know, whatever it is, hopefully not snooze, but stop button, (laughs) then it's not like you're blasting yourself with blue light. And uh, I don't turn my um, phone off of airplane mode for at least the first hour of the day usually, right? I just, if I do set an alarm, I just press that and get up with my day. Mm-hmm. So you're eliminating the light part of it and the electromagnetic um, fields when you're sleeping. And to add to that is the importance, again, going back to that, seeing the sunrise first thing in the morning, it really does tell your body what time it is. And your body is very quick to adapt and learn what time the sun rises. So if you're able to get outside and, and um, I, I know for me, I used to drag myself out of bed, you know, yeah, through even even just like three, four years ago, it was, morning time was a nightmare for me. Uh, but once I was able to start to see the sun first thing. So if you're not able to get up for sunrise because you're too tired, then just get outside first thing. No blue light. No, not your phone, not your computer, not the news, not even the, the light in your bathroom. If you can step outside and tell your body, hey, it's daytime now. And the sun is so good at telling our body what time it is. Naturally, it, it has this uh, beautiful spectrum of light that changes throughout the day. So get outside first thing in the morning and do that every single day. And eventually you'll notice that you continue to wake up earlier and earlier with the sunrise. And once you're able to see the sunrise every day, your body naturally wakes up at that time. It knows, hey, this is daytime. You know, there's naturally a spike actually in blue light uh, in sunrise because that's that's what uh, tells us it's daytime. It's time to really set cortisol. It's time to get going. There's a natural rise in body temperature at that time. Um, so yeah, it, really synchronizing with, with nature, uh, will help you to, to get that first energy in the morning and, and sustain the energy through the, out the day. Yeah. And irregularity is, is key with sleep too, right? Like you said, if you, if you continue with that, like what you're saying over a course of, you know, it might only take you a week, not even, and your body's going to start to wake up at that time and get used to it. And if you can stay on your circadian rhythm, it's funny, I'm talking about this because at the very moment. I, I'm I'm out of sync and I'm trying to fix it. But um, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's just that, that consistency. How about if, because you're saying sunrise, so this makes me think, and silly question, but what if what if the sun's not out? What if we uh, got overcast day? I'm coming out. Just getting outside is gonna is gonna help. Yeah, that's actually a great question. Uh, yeah, those days it, it still comes through the clouds. The sun, you know, depending on cloud coverage, it, it can still emit, uh, you know, just as much light as you you know those happy lamps. They emit uh, like thirty thousand lux, uh, and people use them in the winter time. But funny enough, the sun still comes through the clouds even on those really cloudy days and emits emits as at least thirty thousand lux. So wow, I mean, okay, yeah. So so it still is coming through and, and is very powerful, and it'll still help to regulate the circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. I find that just even going and you guys have been sharing a lot about this recently, getting outside in the morning and the sunset and sunrises, right? And uh, and and I I love seeing a seeing a sunrise. Everybody does, I think. Once you maybe you don't want to get out of bed, but once you get out there, but even just stepping outside, I've noticed like you get that fresh air on your. You don't realize how kind of stale the air can get just in a in a room or in your house. And you get outside and it's like, whoa, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. You know, your body just goes, oh, this is, you know, this is so nice. Um, you've been talking about sunsets also. Is it the same kind of deal where it's just telling you, oh, it's time, we're done, you know, see you later, the day's, the day's over. Um, uh, apart from just, you know, observing the nice, the nice lights. What are the, <laughs> what's the, any other specific things that we should know about sun, sunsets? Yeah, so basically anytime you're outside and receiving that natural light, it's going to be helping to regulate that circadian rhythm. But also beyond that, there are plenty of benefits of the different spectrums of sunlight. So in particular, in the morning during sunrise and then at sunset, there's a lot of red and infrared light, which um, has a number of benefits. But one of them is that it helps to stimulate uh, mitochondrial function and the mitochondria are producing energy in your body. So that's one of the major benefits. And I think um, if, if you study a lot of the traditional cultures like ancient uh, Egypt and ancient India, a lot of people actually uh, use sun gazing as a physical and spiritual practice where they're directly staring at the sun for those first you know, half hour of the sunrise or last bit of the sunset because there isn't any UV that can damage your eyes. You need to work your way up for sure. But um, there's, there's like people have known this for thousands of years of the specific benefits of those two types of day. Um, and then also throughout the day, I won't go into all the details, but like UV has um, plenty of benefits. There's UVA, UVB, UVB gives you vitamin D, UVA helps with neurotransmitter production, melatonin production, all these different things. So I like to think of the sun as just like a multivitamin. You need to get all these different spectrums and they provide all these unique benefits. And I love what you said too about getting outside and it just feeling so right. You know, I, a lot of patients I would talk to, especially over the pandemic, they don't leave their house maybe, uh, you know, once once a week to go for a walk. Maybe I, I spoke to one patient. She left her house three times in the month of February, like in the entire month. And that's just so you, you need to leave the house in order to reconnect to nature. Those, those and, and once you do leave the house, and this is something interesting that we can we can talk to as well. It's just like how how disconnected we remain is that you know you, you wear rubber soled shoes to and you disconnect from the from the ground and a lot of people wear a hat or, or sunglasses and you disconnect from the sun and and sunscreen you know even when you're outside sometimes it's like <laughs> you're not even outside because you're so uh protected uh and you think that you're protecting yourself but it, there is still something to be said about really getting outside being with nature even on those cloudy days 
And and there's something so refreshing and rejuvenating about that. And it, it's you can feel it, but it's also scientifically proven, uh, you know, in studies to lower blood pressure and 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 things like that. So you it, there's there's such a benefit. You really do need to prioritize stepping outside as often as possible. Yeah, one of the things mindset kind of shift that's gone on in with me since this has all happened, this pandemic, and we've been at home and stuff. And largely thanks to things you guys have been sharing, it's just made me go. I've always thought, you know, I'm in the house. This is this is where I am. And then going outside is like an ex, not an extra, but you know what I mean? Like it's a it's a thing, it's a thing to do. And I've been trying to this past only couple of weeks, to be honest with you, change it to that's where I'm supposed to be. This is temporary. Absolutely. And, yes. and since I've since I've done that, I'm just sharing that for people, anybody listening. Like it, once I once I did that, like uh, it just makes me go, I need to be outside. I need to be outside and, and getting out in, in nature. And even if it's just a walk, you know, or whatever, like just stepping out, maybe I'm just, all I can do today is stand outside for four minutes or whatever, like, but just, just making that, like, it's just so essential. And that's why I wanted to I like chat with you guys about this, because I know, I know that that's not, that's not how we're designed as humans to live in big apartment buildings and never see the sun, you know? Um, and that kind of brings me to something I've recently heard, which I'd never heard of, uh, grounding. So, um, getting your, the benefits of this is phenomenal to me. I just don't, it's, it's, this is what kind of made me go, Whoa, we're supposed to be outside putting your, uh, even just, just your body on, on the earth. You know, that's what we're here for. I don't know really much about it to talk about it, but I want to hear everything you have to say about that. Cause this is just so interesting to me. Mm, sure. Um, and just to add to what you said before, uh, I saw a study the other day showing that when you go outside, it decreases your cortisol, that stress hormone, by about 15%. And it's funny the way that was their conclusion. But to me, I was thinking it, it's actually more accurately would be to say when you go inside, you increase your cortisol by 15%, mm. right? Like we're designed to be outside and that's just our natural state. And then, like you said, when we start uh, isolating ourselves from that, then we run into these health issues. Um, but in terms of the grounding, so the earth is, um, it's a great source of electrons. So uh, the sun is naturally positively charged and the earth is negatively charged and uh, electrons have that negative charge. And when you directly put your feet on the ground, especially when it's a little bit wet or moist, um, because that helps with the conduction of, of uh, like the flow of electrons, what that can do is help reduce inflammation in the body. So you might have heard the term oxidation. A lot of people talk about that um, or reactive oxygen species. Like those are kind of one of the causes of inflammation. And these electrons help to offset that damage. And another thing that the earth provides is a natural electromagnetic field. So we've talked a bit about uh, uh, EMFs, specifically non-native EMFs. So EMFs that aren't found in nature, those are the ones that are causing us issues. But there are plenty of natural electromagnetic fields that are present, and one of them is the Earth's. And it's uh, specifically called the Schumann resonance, but what that helps to do is um, kind of tune our bodies to what's going on in the environment. And, and it's always slightly fluctuating. It's never the same, but it's always changing in order to help us adapt. So um, it's important that you know, you're know you getting connected to the Earth, not only for those electrons, but also for um, you know kind of that tuning of us. And it, that also ties into the circadian rhythm as well. So those natural electromagnetic fields help to regulate the circadian rhythm. What are some good and ways? It just feels great. Yeah, standing barefoot <laughs> for sure. What are some good ways to do that? Like I'm, I'm kind of tailoring this to people 
living in in cities obviously you know not out on a farm or in in the forest or whatever um what are like even just grass you know putting like what are things what are the what are obviously a same same question again what's like the best if there is something and then what what else can we can we do is it just like just anything that is earth just touch it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i i love that question too like what is the best and then what are some other things that people can do because there's so many people at different stages of the game right now and you know listening to this podcast the first time you may do you know just just some simple things what can i do and then you might think in a few months a few years even you'd be like you know what, I'm going to go back and listen to the best things to do because now I'm officially ready. So it is a really good question to to ask, but, you know, just connecting to nature. Yes. Find a patch of grass. Um, You know, some of the (laughs) tiny patches of grass around apartment buildings are just full of dog pee. So (laughs) we lived in Toronto for for a period, so (laughs) we know how it is, but, you know, you could even take your hand, you know, and and touch those trees that trees are all over Toronto or, or cities as well. So, touch the touch a tree you know you can still feel it through through your hands the feet is the easiest way of course because if you are in a forest you can walk barefoot and you feel the benefit but if you're not if you don't have access to that you can still do it through your hands you can you can hug a tree there's so many weird people in cities nobody will even look twice (laughs) in terms of the the absolute best it would be to answer your question it would be to walk uh in the uh like on the beach around the ocean with your feet partially in the water because the ocean is the richest source of electrons. And since you have your feet wet, then you're absorbing all those. So that's the ideal, but, <laughs> but do, do whatever you can. And like Marissa said, the trees are, they're already grounded, right? They have such a deep root system. So even just touching a tree or just, yeah, get out any, anytime you can barefoot, it makes a huge impact. I think it's such an important thing to just hear, like, again, if we started to promote, you know, touching trees with your hand will help you be healthier. You know, it sounds, I mean, it sounds dumb if I say it like that, but it's not, <laughs> it's not inaccurate. you right. Like it's, it's, right. it's, it's true. And I think, you know, if I was just to walk up, say something, people would be like, well, you're weird. Like what's, what's up with Harrison? Eh? But, um, I think, I think yeah, if anybody listening, I mean, that I'm going to definitely start to do that more. And I only recently heard about this, but those are simple things to do that we can do to, benefit like improve our health our well-being obviously we want to be happy and healthy and and live a long time as as well as possible and those are things we can do to to get there um i'm curious because we're talking about now touch um obviously sunlight things like that are there any other like things that we can benefit from from through our senses in nature and the one i was going to ask is like smells uh because the body is just so interesting i'm curious if there's any either health benefits or just other than wow this is a nice flower because that's obviously great but (laughs) like like legitimate things i'm curious if there if there are others Mm -hmm. i think basically uh, like all of your senses are like we're tuned in to our environment and we're supposed to be absorbing all these different things so it's sunlight through our eyes and through our skin the electromagnetic fields our, our cells are constantly sensing that um touch you know being being grounded on the earth and smells part of that too. I don't, I don't know uh, specifics on the science of that, but if you think about like essential oils, for example, you can see plenty of research on how just smelling essential oils has this uh, impact on our body. For example, rosemary essential oil has been, there's some pretty crazy studies about elderly people and um, improving their cognitive capacity. 
because rosemary is a circulatory stimulant, so it helps get more blood flow to the brain. And that wasn't taking it orally. That was just smelling it through an essential oil diffuser. Or like lavender, for example, that can help decrease uh, activity of the nervous system. So there's, uh, we're just you know, designed to be taking in all these all this different uh, environmental information. And smell is definitely one of those. I don't know if you have any other examples, Marissa. Yeah, I was just thinking of the connection between, you know, sometimes when you smell something and it brings you back to a very happy memory. Mm. And and there's a huge correlation between smells and uh, triggering different areas of your brain. So nature inherently has, uh, a, you can even smell, you know, especially around like the beginning of spring, that smell of fresh cut grass for the first time you haven't smelted in a few months. Just think about the, the feeling that overcomes you. So there is very familiar smells in nature that that give you that dopamine, that uh, serotonin, that happiness, um, and that we just can't explain. There are some studies, like Andrew said, but you know, inherently you just know. And food too is a big one. I think people can relate to that. Like if you could smell food cooking, that already starts the digestive process in mm-hmm. you. Like it's so linked to our physiology, all these different senses. Yeah, that's so interesting to me. Um, we've to kind of circle back to what we've already. Well, the, the original kind of topic was, and we've really covered a lot of stuff. It's phenomenal. Thanks so much. Um, but we've talked about some things, but what are, if I were, if I were coming to your, you know, coming to chat with you guys, um, as, as doctors, what are some of the best practices we can use to bring nature into our home? Because obviously we're saying you should be, you should think of it as that, like, that's what you want to be outside. Right. But obviously we can't. I know that life is life and we live in this society that we can't really change some of that stuff. So if you're not lucky enough to live right, you know, by the ocean or in a forest or anything like that, what are other ways that we could try to incorporate that into your house or change things and and try to be more connected with nature where we're supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the way I would kind of conceptualize that is just think about all those different senses that you would be experiencing outside and then say, how can I recreate that? So if you want fresh air, a simple thing to do would be to open your window if you can, if it's the right time of year. Like that has tremendous benefits for uh, air filtration. Um, Just putting plants in your house, that's an easy one, right? Get a, a snake plant or a peace lily. If you have like, if you don't have a green thumb at all, get a snake plant. It's almost impossible to kill, and those are those are very good at uh, you know filtering out air as well. Uh, we talked about smell. A lot of people like essential oil diffusers. I personally like uh, pine smells. It just you know makes me feel like I'm in a forest. Uh, you can get pictures of nature. Like there's so many different things you can do in terms of that. And then like Marissa had already mentioned before. Um, uh, so the electromagnetic fields, you want to, you know, when you can turn the Wi-Fi off or not be exposed to those, uh, as much as you can and change your lighting environment. You don't need these bright led lights, maybe, you know, certain places in your house, it might be advantageous, but we, we specifically find bulbs that aren't super high in blue light and have a closer spectrum to the sun. So at nighttime, we're using red LEDs, which kind of mimics fire. Uh, in our kitchen, we have like a yellow, a daytime bulb. It's not super high in blue, but it would more mimic what the sunlight is like. So there's a lot of ways you can kind of just, you know, do your best to to mimic nature as much as possible. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that would be uh, temperature. We we are live in a society right now where we are very blessed to be able to, you know, turn on the heat in the in the winter. And I know Harrison, you live in a very cold part of Canada, <laughs> but. 
you know, if you can, like, make sure it's not tropical inside while it's, what was it the other month? Negative 40 or something for you? Like, it should be. 55, but we don't need to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) But you shouldn't be blasting the heat to a level where you're, like, in a t-shirt and shorts. You know, you, you should really still be, as humans, we are exposed to the elements. We're exposed to different areas of cold and hot. So a lot of people live in this very controlled environment inside and it's 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 very nice uh but it's disconnects us extremely from nature so it's okay to have the heat on when it's negative 55 outside but make sure it's you're not hot like there should still be some aspect of cold in your life in the winter inherently winter we are part of nature so we should be experiencing winter same with summer when it's hot outside you can turn the air conditioning on that's fine but do not like make it a cold environment inside. You you do still need to live in, in sync um, in, in with the temperatures as well as everything else that Andrew had touched on. Yeah, I think the overall kind of message from all of this is just big, like almost just mindset shift. Like I said about we are we are meant to be. We're natural creatures. You know, this is not. We weren't designed to live in. Like I said, apartment buildings that you know with with all the you know filtered air and blah 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 so try to just remember that and bring it into your you know make those changes to live as closely as you can in our modern society to to nature now while we've got you on here as everybody's probably noticed we all have these wonderful glasses on and we've talked a little bit about blue light and now you know the importance of reducing that at nighttime and during you know artificial light during the day and stuff like that so uh, why don't you share what those are um, and what we're wearing here, folks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are our fancy dancy natural blocks. So they are uh, blue blocking glasses that we have developed because uh, as naturopathic doctors, we'd be preaching this this kind of stuff to our, our patients but and recommending, you know, the same question that you had, Harrison, like, okay, but for the regular person who doesn't want to live under candlelight every single night, what can I do? And we'd say, okay, blue blockers are a great option. But then we struggled finding a Canadian brand that was actually reputable and blocking the the spectrum and the wavelengths that we wanted uh, to, spectra- or to, to block because a lot of the blue blocking glasses on the market only block between three and 9% of blue light. And they don't even That's come crazy. close to the, yeah. And they don't even come close to the wavelength of light coming off of screens or LEDs. So uh, we we developed these natural blocks so that they block 88% of the harmful blue light spectrum and 60% of the uh, 455 nanometer wavelength, which is the exact wavelength coming off, the, the exact spike coming off of screens. Uh, so extremely important if you're on a screen all day. These are a really great investment. And uh, especially uh, as you move into the evening, a lot of people, even just with these ones, these are called our daytime uh, blockers you still find a huge benefit because it's blocking so much blue light. You have a huge benefit with sleep and melatonin release. And we are coming out with within the next couple months, um, a nighttime pair. So Andrew will model beautifully. So these are, these are the nighttime ones. And, uh, these are obviously much more orange and it's important to note that with the daytime ones, there's, we tried to make them. So there's a very minimal color distortion, but there still needs to be some tint in them. So you can see like there's, it's a slight yellow tint. And um, that's kind of an indication that the glasses are actually doing something. If it's totally clear, like a lot of the Amazon cheap ones, totally clear glasses, those are the ones that are blocking like three to 9%. So they're probably not doing much. Um, but in terms of these ones, what you wanna do at night is make sure you're blocking all of that uh, blue light. So um, like we mentioned with the whole circadian rhythm piece, like even small amounts of blue light 
really confuse your body and it, it really tells it that it's daytime even when it's not so if you just switch on the the lights or the tv your body thinks oh it must be middle of the day and then it suppresses your melatonin release so with these you need to block out 100 percent of the blue light spectrum and then a little bit of green actually too because anything between 400 and 550 nanometers that that's kind of the the whole uh, spectrum there that is going to suppress your melatonin so these ones are in the works our suppliers just said they've They've got it up to 97%. Uh, we said not good enough. We, we need 100%. So hopefully within a, a few months, uh, these will be released. And, and there's a, you have a discount code. So so to, to offer your, your audience Harrison 10, right? So then they get 10% yeah, if you wanna, off. Yeah, if you want to get some, you can check out, uh, are they on naturalacademy.com? Is that the one? Yes. Yeah. 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 So you can head over there and uh, and check them out. Get them. I highly recommend them. Yeah. If you want a little, little discount, you get 10% off. Harrison 10. Um, and personally I've shared this on, on Instagram and stuff, but like it's, it's helped. I've noticed my sleep get better. Um, cause I wear them during the day, do a lot of stuff on the computer. Um, but I get headaches a lot and a lot of it's very many different reasons. And I've been trying to fix it for a long time, but I've noticed that they've gone down because I'm, I'm wearing them during the day and I'm not, you know, straining my eyes. I also have flux on my, uh, on my computer, which I've had on for a while. So lots of things that you can do easy things you can do to kind of get more connected with nature and, and fix your body and, and feel better. So thanks so much for hopping on here and, and sharing all about this. Where can people find you uh, if they want to keep checking in with what you're up to? Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. This is exactly what we love to talk about. So for sure. yeah, are, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. We're honored to be here. Uh, so our Instagram is where we're most active right now. Uh, our handle is at Natro Academy. So that's N-A-T-U-R-O Academy. Uh, we we share a lot of great information about everything that we talked about today and, and so, so much more. So there's a lot of value on there. And then our website is naturoacademy.com. Um, and we do have a newsletter as well that you can sign up for on, on there. And, and that's where our, we sell our natural blocks. So, there you go. Yeah. Go check them out, everybody. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Wow. <laughs> so many great nuggets. So much great information in this episode and and i hope it inspires you to want to get outside spend more time outside and seeing that it's important to be outside i mean that's what we're meant to do as humans so make that a part of your life if things are you know you can't always be outside try to incorporate it into your life into your house you know we talked about so many things that you can do uh grabbing a grabbing a pair grabbing a pair of blue light blocking glasses like these guys right here these natural blocks from natural academy is going to help with some of that stuff. So um, trying to put up with these weird artificial things we've got going on in our life. You can head on over to naturoacademy.com and you can use the code Harrison10. You're going to get 10% off your blue light blocking glasses. And if you really enjoyed this episode and you want to see more from Marissa and Andrew, you can follow them. You can either go to the website naturoacademy.com, N-A-T-U-R-O academy.com. Or head on over to uh, see them on Instagram and Facebook. Same thing, at Natural Academy. And they've got so much great stuff they're putting out. I highly recommend checking them out. Thanks so much again for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Remember to keep loving life. And we'll chat with you later. For more information about this episode or the show itself, head on over to HarrisonKingOfficial.com. There you'll be able to find the show notes, transcriptions, and videos for every episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk About Life Pod. Now get out there and have a deep, meaningful conversation in your own life. We'll chat with you next time.